Welcome, 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 stylish folk, to this week's episode of Handcut Radio, an episode that I have to say I'm rather excited about. As you'll hear, it's philosophical, thoughtful, and I thought quite inspiring all at once. That is because my guest this week is Nicolas Gabard, founder of Husbands, Paris's chicest tailor. Husbands is a company that conducts itself with a very definite moral imperative. Nicolas insists repeatedly that a suit is not just a suit, but that it is a tool to empower men and to help them discover the best version of themselves, making them better fathers, friends, and of course husbands in the process. I think his thinking is really remarkable, and combine that with Husband's wonderfully cut and constructed suiting and its sense of 70s cool, and you've got yourself a recipe for a truly unique menswear brand. We talk about Nicola's former lives in law and advertising, why he didn't agree with them, why an appreciation of culture is central to everything that he does, and how difficult it can be for brands today to strike the right balance between fashion and craft. I love this conversation, so let's get stuck in. Nicola, it is great to be here. I have to say I've been looking forward to coming here and visiting you and meeting you for the first time more than most guests. I am a, I'm an absolute <laughs> fan. Um, and I have written a lot about husbands recently and been uh, shouting about husbands from the rooftops and not made it to the shop. So I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so I, um, I have to say thank you for your kind words. <laughs> I, I'm not sure we deserve all this um, passion but okay, I take it. I do, so, do, absolutely, yeah, I do. buy it. I buy your words. <laughs> um, I, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one to know where to start because I think there's a lot of interesting things to chat about. But I wondered if actually we could start briefly with how husbands came into being, because you were not always in style mm-hmm. and in tailoring. You were originally, I believe, a lawyer. Yeah. How does one go from being a lawyer? To running a very very chic tailor. Uh, so I will try to uh, to explain you really quickly because I'm not sure it's really interesting. Sure. But you know, I study law to please my mother. Right. So because in my family, I I come from a little um, city in um, in Brittany in France. Mm-hmm. So in in my family, it was uh, the traditional you know, way of developing yourself was to uh, becoming a lawyer, a doctor. So you never think about uh, fashion, never. You even didn't know that you have some, you know, scholarship for this kind of skills. So uh, my mother and my father wanted uh, uh, me to um, to follow this kind of studies. So uh, I, you know, because I was a nice kid, I accept to, to follow this. I actually I don't gre- I don't regret this because I learn a lot of things that I think I use, you know, in this project if husband in husband's project. But um, since the beginning, since I'm a kid, I'm totally fun about clothing. So. Uh, I, I was this kind of kid who uh, spent all his you know, money in vintage clothes. Sure. Um, in really bad fashion clothes because you don't have all the information kids have now on the internet. Mm. It was really difficult. You have the old Vogue of your mother, 
but maybe, you know, the old uh, GQ of your father, but it was the only sources yeah. you, um, you, can, you, uh, you could find at this time. Not much for men. So um, you, um, you build your style at this time with culture, but maybe we'll get back to this. Yes. So since the beginning, I love style and I love clothes, but I, I didn't know that uh, it could be a real job. Mm -hmm. So I study uh, law at the university. I follow PhD. So I oh, spend wow. a lot of time. I waste a lot of time there. Wow. Intellectual property. And then um, I start to practice uh, for maybe five years. Right. It was really interesting, but it was not my thing. Mm. But at this time, and I earned money. You know, my banker was my friend. <laughs> at this time, he's no longer my no, friend. Say, not banks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The bankers are cool guys because they, you know the people who are listening listening this will think that I don't like banker. Actually, I like banker. A lot of my customers are banker. But at this time, I spent a lot of money in terror closing. I discovered the terror, mm. and I discovered it. It was the end of a quest. Because since I was a kid, I was trying a lot of things. Uh, I, I was trying to find my own style. And uh, it was really um, um, frustrating because you never find the piece you were looking for. It was too long, too large, too wide. Especially at this time when you are a skinny guy like me, it was sure. really difficult to dress, yeah. even, even in vintage pieces, especially in, in vintage pieces. So uh, I discovered the tailor. I discovered the bespoke. And I said, wow, that's, that's totally it. crazy. So I spent a lot of money this. I lied to my wife. You know, <laughs> she, she told me, ah, you have a new suit. And I said, yeah, this is a new suit. So um, half much. And I said, around 400 euros. Yeah. Oh, that's quite expensive. Actually, it was 10 times this, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I, have, I had at this time a secret bank account for my terror's depends. And all my money, you know, spent in... Uh, yeah, yeah, it goes there. Um, I know uh, how that feels. So I discovered the joyful, the happiness of uh, dressing yourself and to create the, um, the clothes with a professional. And I discovered the importance of a dialogue, the importance of a balance between these two ambitions, the ambition of the tailor mm -hmm. who wants to design and to create with his own style, and the, um, the, the importance of your vision on what you want with your body with the craftsmanship of the tailor. And the first shoots was really nice because we, we reach a right equilibrium, right balance between our two influences. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, I became really confident mm. and I push him, you know, outside his boundaries, his comfort zone. And then I have to confess, it was not really, really nice. All this accident, all this problem, all, the, all these failures actually feed husbands right now. Right. 
you've learned about that balance. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you say that because obviously, as, as you've identified, I am, I am younger than you, but I have been on that same journey. And the very first, uh, I, I spent a lot of my student loan on made-to-measure clothes. Yeah. Too much, but I did it. and I've Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, you, you have a very clear idea of what you want before you've actually had a chance to learn what works. Mm. And I spent a lot of money on clothes that really pushed the tailor I used to go to well out of their comfort zone and the results were a mistake. So I, I, I rather identify yeah. with that. I'm filled with remorse for all these lovely garments that, that never really lived a life because I <laughs> didn't have a clue what I was doing and I thought I wanted a five-inch yeah. lapel um, and all the rest of it. So that's fascinating. Now, um, let's go straight into it, I think, because you are already using words, buzzwords that are very interesting to me, culture and identity. Um, when the time came to found husbands... I think the thing that's so brilliant about husbands is it is about the clothes, but it isn't about the clothes. Yeah. Can, can you expand on that a little yeah, bit because for me? I used to say to my team, we don't sell suits. We sell much more than a suit. We sell desire, we sell fantasy, we sell storytelling, we sell happiness, we sell um, um, fabrics, craftsmanship, of mm. course. Mm. But it's not just a suit. It has to be um, fitted by the desire of a customer on your own passion. And that's always, you know, the nice equilibrium between your customers and your own vision. And uh, we used to say that we don't have to listen to the market, but you have to listen to your customers. Mm. You know, that's really important because they can bring you a lot of things. So um, I used to say, yes, that suit... It's not just a garment or just a piece of fabric. That's so important. You know, it can change, you know, your day and it can even change your life. The idea with husbands is to bring all our passion to our customers, to avoid them, to make the mistakes you were telling about, mm -hmm. you know. So it's really important that inside the team, we made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Because people don't have to do this. I used to say that there is no husband without culture. And I need to get back to the roots of husbands. When I was a kid, music was super important. But uh, novels were super important. And, um, and uh, movies were super important. Because it defined yourself. And it was the same. Suddenly you discover, uh, I don't know, maybe a Pasolini movie. You, you, you watch Theorem you have maybe, you know, 15 years old, you are in this small city, you don't have the internet. Mm. What are you doing with this? It's, it, you, that it's a masterpiece, yeah. but you have no friends to share this vision. You have no, you know, people, no adults to tell you and to explain you the, um, what it is really important. So the culture was so deeply um, in your identity because it was a fight that um, it was organi it, it organized all your life. Yeah, and I guess that's where you found the... It sounds like that's where you found the things that you really responded to. It sounds like you didn't necessarily have a group of peers who were super into rock and roll or who were super into particular filmmakers. So you, it was your lifeline. 
I think, and I still think this, that, you know, a man is, is really alone in his own life. You can have a wife, you can have a really nice job, you can have kids, but at the end of the day, you are alone. So I think when you build yourself, you need, of course, the help of other people, of your friends, of your family, of the people you admire. But at the end of the day, it's just a question of you in front of you. So you have to decide who you want to be and then, you know, um, try to find the energy to become this guy. Of course, clothes are really important in this quest to become you would decide to be. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I grew up like this. Mm. This, this, this identity, this trying to understand who, who I was and who I wanted to be. Mm. In a bourgeoisie family where, you know, you were expected to be something really clear, a kind of stereotype, you were to be a doctor, a banker, yeah. a lawyer, and, you know, something really classic. And I decided that it was not for me. So I did decided to be someone else. So I use movies, I use um, music, I use novels, I use theaters, I use everything to try to understand who I was, who I, and who I wanted to become. Mm. And how, I mean, it, it's so fascinating to, to unpick this. I, I wonder, do you feel like you have reached that point today? Or is it something that, that you think men just never quite get to? Do you think we're all on this journey? Um, for the first time of my life, I have some answers. Because when I was a lawyer, you know, you ask me to, uh, to defend uh, a file, or people, or, you know, a company, and say, okay, well, what's the problem? You want me to defend you? No problem. Give me money. You know, when you work in the communication, it's always the same thing. Okay, you want to, uh, to attract new people to, uh, to your new product with this kind of strategy. Uh, they used, to, uh, they used to, to use internet like this, they, and you want to push this message. Okay. For husbands... That's totally different. You know, uh, I cannot prostitute. No. You know, the, you know, we want to do something really clear. We have this vision. We need to, uh, to build this vision. We need to help men to, uh, to dress themselves. We need them to, uh, to be dapper, self-confident, happy. Um, we need to create a bridge between fashion, tailoring. We need to... Uh, we need to make so much things with husbands that we don't have now to, uh, to compromise. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so wonderful. So this is the first time I feel this. So did I have all the answers? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm, I feel more um, peaceful now, you know, at the age of 50 than, you know, 20 years ago. Well, that's a really uh, a very intriguing thing to hear. Um, uh, the magazine, that, of course, that I first started at, The Rake, and actually we were flicking through some of the copies you have here, that is aimed at, uh, and the, the, the editorial director, Waco, has always maintained that a man reaches a certain point in his life where he reaches that kind of level of calmness and serenity, yeah. and that's he's deliberately made that magazine for that guy, and it's really quite interesting that you mm -hmm. say that. It sort of gets, get, brings me back to that time. 
Um, but I wanted to pick up on something else, which is when Husbands opened in 2012, you, you had this clear vision to kind of improve the lives of customers and clothing rooted in culture is, yeah. is the way to do yeah. that. But you also talk about um, fashion versus craft, which is something I write about all the time and fascinates me. Um, obviously, Husbands is much more a tailor than a fashion house. It's about properly made, fully canvas, mm. beautiful tailoring. Um, you're clearly very passionate about craft. What are your kind of thoughts on, on fashion versus craft and versus style? Yeah, I, um, for a long time, I thought fashion wasn't interesting. It was really strange because uh, I spent a lot of money with designer clothes when I was 30. Mm. Um, for example, El Motlang, Marta Margiela, uh, Dries Van Noten, um, even Joram with Hedy Sliman because I was skinny at this age. And, you know, it's, he created something really cool with, with the shoots yeah. at this time around music, around youth. And suddenly, shoot was cool again. When I launched Husbands, I didn't want any fashion and any woman. So now I totally changed, and I think <laughs> fashion is interesting, and I think women are interesting in the tailoring field. I think what we are trying to do with husbands is to get back to the roots of the 70s house. Yeah. When the designer had vision, had values, uh, and were obsessed by their customers. And it was a small family. You have a really rich relationship built between the creators and the customers. Customers used to make really strong efforts to follow the designer vision. And the designer tried to explain a lot his vision. So I think with husbands, we are on this pace. You know, we want, we are really fascinating by this uh, time of the 70s mm. where, where all the houses, fashion, tailoring, you know, um, had, you know... As, they kind uh, of intersected. Yeah, yeah. And, right. you, and, and, you know, it was the time of Tommy Nutter mm. became, you know, a, a tailoring for fashion, a tailor for fashion and a fashionista mm. like the Rolling Stones and Beatles and etc. So tailoring was cool at this time, you know. Yeah, um, and I what I like with fashion is a vision and as value and proposition. What I like with tailoring is the personalization you can propose. Mm -hmm. So with husbands, we try to take both the best of these two worlds: the personalization of the tailor, but also a vision. So, for example, if you come here and you say, I want a blue suit, you have to, heard, to listen to your customer and say, okay, this is two, three, maybe three blue for you. Yeah. This fresco, or maybe a, a light wool, and this is from Huddersfield, uh, maybe this is waving in Somerset, and then we will explain you what it will, what it, why it will suit you. Yeah. So, you can personalize but you have a strong vision, be, you know, beside this personalization. Mm. And sometimes the terror 
you know, my terror say, okay, do what you want. But I'm totally lost if I, if I do what, what, I, what I wanted to do. Yeah. So um, the idea of with husbands is to, um, to take the best part of these two worlds. The, the, the kind of genius fashion people have to build stories, communication stories, photos. That's really exciting. I have a lot of respect for terroring a house, but when they try to communicate, that's sometimes a little bit boring. Yeah. And they're still addressed to the same customers. And with husbands and with a lot of brands who are, you know, um, flourishing right now, we want to address new people. Mm-hmm. Because we are totally passionate by tailoring, by craftsmanship, by fabrics, by styles, by length, by sleeves, by shoulders, by vents, by pockets. So what do we want to propose to the fashion people or the normal customers? Get back to tailoring. Please come here. You will see. Stylish folks, some exciting news for you. I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that season three of Handcut Radio is sponsored by the renowned fabric mill Thomas Mason, supplier of fine shirting cloth to the most famous fashion houses, tailors, retailers and shirt makers the world over. In fact, I can practically guarantee that you have a shirt cut in Thomas Mason cloth hanging in your wardrobe right now. If you don't, we can help. We're offering two readers the chance to win three complimentary bespoke shirts in partnership with Turnbull & Asser, redeemable at any of Turnbull's London or New York stores. To enter, simply visit handcutradio.com forward slash Thomas Mason and sign up with your email address. The winners will hear from us at the close of season three. We'll also be releasing two bonus episodes later in the season where we visit the Thomas Mason Mill in Albino in the province of Bergamo, Italy, explore the company's archives and unpick the brand's philosophy. We're really proud of these episodes and the Thomas Mason story is quite something, so we'll hope you tune in. Now though, on with the podcast. And for a long time, for 40 years, you know, it wasn't the case. To, to be well-dressed, honestly, it was easier to have maybe an APC denim or maybe an acne jacket yeah. or maybe, you know, a fashion designer coat. But when you, you, uh, you wanted to buy a suit, it was not so good. No. And the real things it's, and the truth was that at this time, it was really difficult to be well dressed in suits. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a great time. Um, I, it's interesting to me that you you feel you've sort of settled on the seventies because I think loads of guys in menswear have a, have a real interest in that period. But you are absolutely right. It is kind of the last decade where tailoring was considered to be a la mode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think. Uh, and I, I hope that at least some listeners will, will take me up on this and come and see you in person, that, that Husbands really has achieved that. Because you try on a husband's jacket, and it has architectural lines, which I love, but it is structurally, there's a softness and a roundness to your cut that I love. It feels very comfortable on the body. And yet it just, it, 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 a lot of what you're doing is just very conservative tailoring yeah. with sexy proportions, Yeah. right? Yeah, you, it's it's you so it. interesting. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I can't get enough of it. But I was going to lead on, like leading on from that. What do you think 
keeps the suit relevant today. Why has do you think the suit is kind of getting back to full health? I think it's perfect blank page to express yourself. And I think the story of men with clothes is to express his own personality. You can you can follow the vision of a designer, but, but this is the vision of a designer years after years, and you have to stitch to this. Mm. And um, I think men have something to tell. And they don't have to tell the story of another guy, so it's why you need to live your own life and you need to wear your own you know, clothes. It takes time, but you need to achieve this. And I don't think, you know, designer can help you to understand who you are and what suits you. And what you need to understand, it's who you are. Mm. And to understand who you are, you need the artists. You need, you know, the culture. You need to have, um, to feel some experiences with, you know, paintings, movies, novels. And culture helps you to live and help you to understand who you are. I love this idea, this kind of philosophy of telling stories with your clothes and the fact that you see, you see the suit as a kind of a, a blank page to write with which to write your story and present yourself in different ways. I yeah. think that's very special. Um, I've not heard anyone say that for a long time. But it leads me on to, a, to an interesting question and a, and a potentially troubling question, but this is something that I often wonder as a journalist because... You know, my, my entire job is, is a huge luxury. I am incredibly spoiled that I get to come and meet gentlemen like you or write for magazines and newspapers about clothes yeah. because I do sometimes get up in the morning and think, God, clothes don't matter, do they? I, I spend all my life focusing on these, on these objects that are so kind of um, irrelevant to, to our well-being and our existence and fashion at large, as we know, is doing so much harm to the planet and a lot of people. Yeah. Do you have days where you get up and go, what's going, why am I obsessing I, over clothes? Um, I know a few things, but I'm sure clothes are super, super important. That's civilization. Um, I think it can change life. I think it can make people happy and when you are happy you are better you know husbands you are better man you are better uh, politics you are better um, you are better at everything in your in your life and i'm really disappointed because a lot of players in our industry lost our mission statement we say uh, raison d'être yeah. in french yeah so, you know reason for being yeah the reason for being just they sell, they sell clothes. No, you don't sell clothing. You, you don't sell outfits. You dress people. And by dressing people, you make them happy. And the problem with all the industry is that you, are, you have lost this possibility of changing the life of people, you know, and give them happiness. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not a drug. It's not an obsession. It just makes them really free. Because all your obsession is to make them really happy. So it's not to be a fashionista. It's not to be uh, obsessed by tailoring or by luxury fabric. 
just say that it's really important to dress. And I'm really sad for people who don't feel what we are feeling right now. Mm. And um, sometimes I'm agree against the, the industry because of uh, forgetting this. Mm. Give people the joy to dress. Um, and when you go to fast fashion, you know, you spend your money, maybe that's a good investment. You know, I've, I, I think everything could be, uh, um, could be honest. I've, you know, I don't want to criticize uh, these things. But sure. when you are there, you have no passion. You just buy, you know, denim or T-shirts or sweaters. You know, that, you know, if you go to Uniqlo, that's not so bad. But at no time, you have, you have felt something really special. Mm. So I think we need to get back to real, real clothes. And uh, a jacket is expensive, a suit is expensive. It has always been expensive. In the 70s, my father, you know, uh, or my grandfather, they, they have few money, but they spent, they invest. It was an investment. And they don't have the luxury to have bad, uh, bad clothing. No. You know? I so couldn't agree every, more. Everything was expensive, well-made, and last a, uh, a long time. It was the rule. Mm. And uh, uh, what happened? Why we are here with all this really bad clothes? Wh what happened to, to, these, to the industry? Why people have lost their, um, their faith in, in, in clothes? And I think men, uh, women, but I do, you know, I don't deal with women. Mm. But I'm sure inside each man, there is something you can touch with a beautiful and a nice um, garment. May, may I just say, um, I don't know what it is about Paris at the moment, but every Parisian creative I talk to inspires me so much right now. I, ha I may have said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. The... One of the reasons why I got into to, to writing about, about these things is because I honestly believe, and I have always believed, that when you find an object, it doesn't need to be clothes, it could be a car, it could be a beautiful piece of, I don't know, ceramics, or it could be a plate of food, whatever. When you find an object where a human being has taken genuine care and pride to produce it, I honestly think that a part of that person transfers into the object and gives it value. I know that might sound crazy and not the most articulate thing ever, but I really do believe there is an inherent value in things that are made with care. And the reason that I spend so much time railing against fast fashion is because there is no care. Yeah. It just there just isn't. I don't care what what huge PR departments at huge global brands producing clothes in mm. terrible conditions mm. on the other side of the world mm. say there is no care. Mm. Um, that's why it's so important that brands like Husbands persist. Yeah, I totally agree. You need to believe in the, in the garment you buy. You need to believe in the garment you produce and you need to believe in the garment you, you design. Mm. It's like, you know, an actor. When you, uh, you see the guy on stage, sometimes that's, you know, the magical things, you, you believe him and you are ready to follow him in the story. Mm. And sometimes... Uh, 
wow, that's long. Yeah. You know, I want you know I want to escape from this. You know, <laughs> uh, and and for the for the uh, for the fashion on clothing, it's the same thing. A lot of a lot of clothes right now, which are right now produce, are are made with no. Um, you, with no passion, with no um, evidence, you know, there is nothing mm. behind mm. this. No substance. Only, yeah, only making money. Mm. And we need to get back to something different. We need to get back to uh, to strong belief in each garment we produce and each garment we buy. Yes. And that's a kind of libidinal economy, you know, the more you desire the clothes, the better you will wear it. Mm. So it's about time, it's about fantasy, it's about your um, dreams. Maybe uh, um, when I was a kid, you know, I was obsessed with the Western. And I can dream and I, you know, I can dream all the night about Western loafers. And I wanted, you know, men will feel a little bit of this dream in their life. Mm. Say, yeah, I will buy a super nice jacket and with a large lapel and it has a story behind. And, you know, and this is the fabric Gary Grant used to wear in North by Northwest. So in the morning, I don't wear a gray suit. I wear the Gary Grant suit in North by Northwest. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important because you don't have the same day. You know, you won't be the same at, at it, your it office. It lifts you up. Yeah. You, you, you will be uh, um, uh, transported by this. Wonderful. Well, Nicola, uh, that, was, that was philosophical. It was honest. It was charming. Uh, I feel very humbled to have been able to sit down and have mm -hmm. a proper conversation with you. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Alexander. And thank you, James. It was a great pleasure. There you have it, folks. Direct from Paris's very own philosopher Taylor. As always, let me close this week's conversation with a request to view Handcut Radio on Apple Podcasts. You know by now that it makes a huge difference to all of us on the team at HCR. Please note that this podcast is produced by Birch London, a creative agency with over 10 years of experience in luxury and lifestyle, and that Joe Boyd is our sound editor and theme music composer. Thanks again for tuning in, and we wish you a stylish week to come.